And actually, a lot of the challenges that they had were, you know, they haven't got access to technology. Um, I don't know how to connect these multi-channel experiences because I've got a physical store and now I've got an online store and a website and a marketplace. And I don't know, I don't have any of the tools that allow me to optimize conversion or even understand the conversion um, funnel itself. And actually, we're looking now at this, uh, the product that we've, we've created and actually how that lends itself directly to this creator community. And it's almost like for like carbon copy. You know, we've seen early, early, you know, first market movers that have started to provide, you know, layers of technology to these creators. But creators again, have, have, you know, moved from being a, a sort of a niche pocket or a niche subset of, you know, an online community to now a community of 50 million global creators, all of whom are trying to monetize the content that they're creating. Hello, and welcome to this interview. I'm Daniel Cronin, co-founder and COO of Integrated Finance. I'll be your host today for Founders Diary series, where each episode we have an awesome founders share their entrepreneurial journey to date. In this episode, we have Danny Howe and Lee Hart, co-founders of Stored. Stored allows creators and retailers to connect with their consumers. Hi guys, uh, great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Daniel. Good to see you. Hi, Daniel. Good to know you. I suppose I want to open the floor to you guys, uh, making a quick introduction to yourself. Our listeners and uh, not viewers here uh, will probably need us to mention I'm Daniel Cronin and we'll just give our names as, as we're running through so we can give a bit of context. Danny, please introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. I'm one of the co-founders of, uh, of Stored. Um, just a bit of background on me. I spent about 11 years at a business called World First, which maybe some of your listeners will uh We'll be aware of, I suppose, notable moment in our history was that we were uh, acquired by the Ant Group in 2019. So parent entity to Alipay and the uh, associated businesses of Alibaba and AliExpress and everything else that, uh, that goes with it. Um, so yeah, spent about 11 years in payments and then uh, decided that we would set up the business which is stored um, in the middle part of last year. Awesome. Thank you, Danny. And Lee, please tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, very similar story, actually. I spent nine years um, in, in fintech, in acquiring um, with a company which formerly known as First Data, but there was an acquisition by Fiserv in 2019. Had operated in various sales leadership roles throughout that period. And um, as Danny says, kind of came to the, a, a natural end to that, to that career and, and decided to, to set something up ourselves in the middle of last year. And, and now here we are. Awesome. Uh, thanks for the intros, guys. And um, in the least offensive way possible, uh, I'll, uh, I'll ask an offensive question. Why would you be stupid enough to start a business? W what drove you to do that? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good question. Um, I think I've got... Shall I go first or... You can, yeah, yeah, go on. So, so yeah, so for, for me personally, I mean, I've always had an ambition to, to set up a business. I actually have another business as well, which is a fried chicken restaurant. There's an interesting fact for you. <laughs> so... It's not completely my first rodeo, but very, very different uh, type of business. But why why did we do it? I suppose for me personally, I, I got to a point where um, I'd had big jobs in a big business and um, understood you know, what it was to run a fast growth business. Uh, and I'd always back myself to do it myself. Uh, and I suppose I got to a point in life where uh, you know, I, I'd rather regret the decisions that I make that and, and the actions that I take than those that I don't, right? So um, for me, it was it was a timing thing. Um, and something that I'd always been, uh, yeah, aspiring to do at some point in my career. Awesome, uh, Lee. What about you? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure I necessarily carried the same ambitions. Uh, certainly not for as long as, as as Danny did. But I, 
in my in my previous life kind of got I describe it as I got senior enough to realize how junior I was in that I was running a fairly significant PL, a, a fairly significant business. Um, and there were things that I wanted to do, decisions I wanted to take that I felt would have been, you know, for the betterment of that business, but within a global matrix organization, wasn't necessarily able to to get those things done. And ultimately, if you really want to test yourself and your capabilities and competencies, then you know, making the final decision is the way to do that for me. So when Danny and I started talking about this opportunity, it was really, really exciting to me and it, it gave me the chance to, to scratch that itch. Thank you. And uh, just following on from that a question for Lee again, why Danny? Why, why aren't you doing this yourself? Um, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, why, why is this a co-partnership? That's a really, really good question. And I'll, I'll start, there's a couple of parts to it though, right? So the, the first is why a, a partner, well, in fact, I'm going to invert them as well. So I'll answer why a partnership first. For me, this is a really difficult thing and there are emotional highs and lows of it. And there are, you know, overheads in terms of just sheer workload, which would be incredibly difficult to bear on your own. And I admire anyone who is doing that on their own. So having someone there who in the moments when, you know, for whatever reason you need picking up or or maybe the opposite, you need knocking down a peg or two because you get ahead of yourself, having someone there for that is really, really important. Certainly has been for me. Um, and in terms of why Danny, I think I've spent a long time, you know, working with with senior people and working with with people who, you know, brought a lot to the table. And I understand the importance of of having someone next year who does things and can do things that you can't. And uh, and Danny just you know he's and I don't want to be too nice to him because he's looking at me at the moment. It's uncomfortable, but but he really <laughs> but he really brings a, a huge amount to the table in terms of just attention to detail, product development, customer centric thinking, just just stuff that. You know, I know that we need as a business and, and having someone better than me at that is, is really, really important. Awesome. Um, same question to you, Danny, and, and one additional one. Was the idea of working together the thing that started this business or was it the idea of the business that you both got excited by? Yeah, no, so it wasn't, it wasn't um, working together that started it. I, I actually approached Lee um, about an idea and a concept, which actually still very much resembles what we're doing today with a few twists and a few turns but knowing that the direction of this business at some point more than likely will end up within payments and knowing that in doing that and getting to that end point it was actually a very was a major advantage to having somebody like lee involved with the business and it, i suppose to your your um your your question around why lee i think actually lee's made the point already that our skill sets are quite complementary although we both come from commercial backgrounds i would say that my my role within this business and actually within you know, the world first business became you know more akin to and more aligned with the sort of the, the product vision and direction of, of of the organization as opposed to just out and out you know commercial sales and, and operations and i think what lee what lee has that i don't is like an abundance of, of that um like tenacity and and, and skill set that really is a necessary requirement for a business to be successful um, yeah, you can have the best product in the world, but if you can't sell it, then it's not a business, right? So I think it, it really does help us that we've got two people that both have come from commercial backgrounds, but have slightly complementary and alternative skill sets within that commercial sphere um, that allows us to, to you know, 
split our time quite quite evenly um without actually even any consciousness around that like we don't consciously agree who's going to own what or do what necessarily it naturally happens and has happened as part of our relationship and how that's grown which is great and yeah to your your first question around why do it with somebody else i think to be to be completely honest with you like doing this alone would be the hardest thing i think you would ever do um and to lee's point hats off to anyone who's doing it but i don't know if i could do this on my own um is the honest answer i can definitely feel the pain of those comments um so we've talked a bit about um why you why together why stored lee do you want to answer that one first why stored is in why why stored is a solution or what problem what, you could have gone with a thousand ideas um what made this one shine brighter yeah yeah yeah, no, I think that the, the key thing, and both of us, you know, we've talked about our backgrounds, and although they're different, there's there's some commonality in some of the challenges that we faced. And both of us dealing with, particularly with retail, I think there's a lot of other sectors that were better catered for, certainly in, in my space, but I would talk to large multi-channel retailers who would tell me all of the problems they were facing the challenges of the kind of increased complexity of their routes to market, the increased number of routes to market that they have, the number of ways potential customers interact with their products. And didn't really feel like we had solutions for that. We would talk about solutions. You'll hear, you know, words like omni-commerce in the market, universal commerce. These are all kind of attempts to deal with those increased complexities that those, uh, those retailers are facing. But the big gap in in everything I was able to help with in the past was that we didn't have the consumer piece. And in the absence of being able to understand or influence consumer journeys, I always felt a little bit ill-equipped to properly help the retailers with those challenges. So when we started talking about stored, and the big premise of stored was to get to the heart of that consumer, the consumer buying behaviors and habits, and build product which allowed retailers to optimize those experiences you know that's really exciting to me because it's a set of problems that i know need fixing i know that people want help with and a potential way of doing that in a really kind of um seamless way and that for me is what stored is we'll talk a little bit about you know creators and retailers and consumers and you know you you could argue that you're looking at these three sides of the same coin but ultimately it just it boils down to removing friction from the experience that someone has when they want to purchase a product. And that's where my heart lives, really. Makes sense. And um, Danny, from your time uh, at, I know WordPress made a big player early on and got bigger and bigger in the e-tailer uh, market. Did that expose you to a lot of the uh, trials and tribulations of entrepreneurs trying to set up a stall on digital platforms like, like Amazon? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it did. And and actually, I've I've references a few times internally that I feel like the industry that we're actually really about to tackle now, which is very much within this creator space, reminds me very much actually of the um, the industry and the the uh, the stage of development that the e-commerce market was at. Yeah, you know, sort of ten years ago when when World First were first starting out in that space. Yeah, you know, there were lots of independent small businesses, um, you know, sole traders that were establishing themselves as online uh, e-commerce businesses and shops, and those businesses very quickly became mainstream. Right, it became a sort of this sort of niche pocket of of retail that became mainstream overnight, and actually marketplaces themselves became commonplace. Amazon being the biggest one of all, 
And actually, a lot of the challenges that they had were, you know, I haven't got access to technology. Um, I don't know how to connect these multi-channel experiences because I've got a physical store and now I've got an online store and a website and a marketplace. And I don't know, I don't have any of the tools that allow me to optimize conversion or even understand the conversion um, funnel itself. And actually, we're looking now at this, uh, the product that we've, we've created and actually how that lends itself directly to this creator community. And it's almost like for like carbon copy. You know, we've seen early, early, you know, first market movers that have started to provide, you know, layers of technology to these creators. But creators again have, have you know, moved from being a, a sort of a niche pocket or a niche subset of, you know, an online community to now a community of 50 million global creators, all of whom are trying to monetize the content that they're creating and don't have access to the necessary tools to do that and to do that on a global stage. Um, and I think, yeah, actually, you know, all of the stuff I learned at World First was was very much aligned to how do we solve those problems? How do we work with those individuals? Because the problems exist, but the solutions don't. So by working with those individuals, we were able to build best-in-class, you know, market-leading solutions for those customers because they just told us what they wanted. They told us what their problems were, and we were able to to fill those gaps. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we're we're probably at the the same same stage now of development with the um, the creator economy as we were back then with this e-commerce economy. And I think we're, we're, we're set to see that you know, really boom over the course of the next, the next few years, as it already has over the last three. So, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting for us. Just to try and screw the, uh, the listeners' heads on to um, the perspective of the problem that you're trying to solve, if, if World First was toppling the bank to give... Uh, the little guy a better uh, financial experience. Yep. Who is stored trying to improve upon, potentially trying to partner with, potentially trying to topple? Well, I would say that there are, there are probably a few uh, tools in market that do some of what we're doing with stored, um, but they are, I suppose, sort of disparate and disconnected to some extent. So you have tools like um, Linktree, which is a great example of a tool that you know creators use to effectively create a link for links so you know you can see it interact with my social profile but i might have an amazon storefront an ltk storefront and loads of other links that i want to direct you to like Linktree is a, is, a, is, a, is a great example of a business that's done very well in that space and then you've got other businesses like like to know it um uh, ltk shop who have created a community of shoppers and a community of creators but you know, to some extent we, we would argue that the products can be quite restrictive and, and difficult and challenging to use in some respects has lots of great advantages but we think actually the product that we've built has way more flexibility um and a lot more value and purpose perhaps than 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 we're seeing in some of those other um those other tools so for us it's still relatively early stages in development of this economy like the creator economy is still quite new there are a couple of established players, some you know, some multi-billion-dollar businesses that exist within this space. But again, they're still at relative stages of immaturity in terms of their product development now, and that's where they will end up in the future because that market is changing so drastically. So you know, we think we're 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 very well suited to to to, to disrupt those first market movers um, in the same way that you know, well, first we're disrupting the banks. And Leah, if if someone was to go onto your website today. Obviously, they're going to see uh, at the top. They're going to see three uh, th three different messaging: creator, shopper, retailer. Could you talk to a little bit of um, why out front, literally on your own uh, shop front, 
you're, you're, you've got messaging for three different types of uh, uh, benefactor of your services. Just, just talk to us a little bit about e- each of those categories, what you feel the problem is, and uh, and why you're focusing on all three of them. I spoke earlier about the fact that ultimately, what store boils down to is a tool that's there to make it as simple as possible for people to purchase the items that they hold an interest in. And the way that we're going about that, the very first thing we did when we left our respective jobs last year was a a, a big piece of research. We surveyed 1,200 people to understand their buying habits, understand their buying journeys. And an incredible statistic came out of that, actually, which was that 98% of those people we surveyed said that as they move into and out of different journeys, so as they embark on their consideration processes, they set themselves reminders using one of you know, a number of methodologies, such as taking photographs if they're in store, taking screenshots online, um, leaving open tabs, all these disparate methodologies that they use to effectively curate stores of products that they are interested in for whatever reason. And so our belief initially, and it remains, was that if we could create a single space to house that behavior, to allow people to save, share, and ultimately check out and purchase those items, then we would be able to, A, get new insights. We'd be able to see those things which currently happen in, you know, in spaces that we don't have visibility of, but B, start to influence those buying journeys. And that that would be really, really powerful to a retailer. What's happened is since we've pushed the product out into market, we obviously started to get some really interesting data. And what we've seen is that the user journeys that are happening most often, so the most frequent use of the stored app is from social media. So you've got a retailer paying a creator to talk about and market their products or services. You've then got a user who you know follows that creator for whatever reason, they, you know, they like their style or they like the, the places that they visit, who then sees that product and wants to interact with it. And what they'll do is they'll then save that item into stored. So that made us look really carefully at the alternative. So what does that buying journey look like today? It's probably the one slight gap we had in the research that we've done. And now that we've done it, what we've seen is that those journeys are broken. It's actually really difficult to purchase an item that someone's talked about that you've seen in a, you know, in, in a video or a blog on, on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever it might be because those platforms aren't geared up for commerce. And they're all now building out tools. And Danny mentioned some, some, some companies that are building functionality to make those journeys easier. But there's no singular way at the moment for a creator to have any product that they're talking about, regardless of the affiliate program it's on, regardless of the platform it's hosted on, or regardless of you know, the agreement they've got with that retailer behind a single organized space that I can just easily interact with as a consumer. So you're right, we are talking to, to the three sides of the coin, but actually all to the same end. The retailers are using the creators to optimize conversion. Stored is just going to sit in the middle and make that as seamless as possible. It sounds super exciting. Without going into um, IP issues, uh, Danny, I'd love to know, how are you doing this? There are a few sort of um, independent but connected parts to to our platform now, actually. So um, on the one hand, we have a creator portal that effectively allows a creator to instantly create shoppable listings for any product from any brand that they're working with. 
And they simply do that by um, by dragging a URL or a, a commission paying link into our platform, and Stored will instantly generate that that shoppable listing for them. They can put one to a thousand products all behind a single link, and that makes it very easy for their followers to identify and find those products, and to ultimately buy those products. Right, the end the end goal and objective for a creator and for a brand is that they have more customers or end you know, users engaging with their products. And ideally, more than just brand awareness, they actually go on to complete those purchases. So stored very much sits in that buying journey. From a consumer's perspective, what are we what are we doing? Well, we actually have a consumer-facing mobile app that allows consumers not just to interact with those products that are sitting behind those links with you know, the creators themselves, but to actually save and to track um, and actually equally to share those products from within our mobile app. So Lee talked earlier on about this idea that you know the stored app started on the simple, the simple premise that you know, we can allow a consumer to add a product from any website, any brand into a single space. That still exists within our product now. The use case with social media and why it's such a, um, a, a prominent use case is that the way we behave when we use social media is we don't consciously sit down to shop. So yeah, we engage with platforms like Instagram and TikTok, and we mindlessly scroll. Is is you know is the honest assessment, right? And then we might identify products as part of that scrolling behaviour that we like, but we're not sitting there with a credit card, or we're not sitting there consciously ready to buy that product. We could be sitting on the sofa, sitting in the bath, you know, just in the kitchen with the kids, whatever we're doing, but we're not ready to buy it. So what we're doing at the moment is we're screenshotting those products. And we're returning to those products later by searching for those products directly with the retailer, which means then that the creator is cut out of the equation and out of that buying journey and doesn't get paid. So the store platform actually makes it easier for, for the user or the follower to save those products, to see when a creator has added new products, to see when the price has dropped for those products or any number of different triggers to ultimately increase conversion. I think that's that's exactly aligned to, to you know what the way we're thinking and the way we're thinking about you know the product development is to to make sure we solve that problem and, and deliver that future makes total sense uh, i i can't tell you the number of times uh a podcast that i've watched or a youtuber uh that i quite like to watch starts shilling the product um and even in, in situations where i found oh actually you know what this is quite good i do exactly that i i never click the link in the description, I always just Google the retailer. And so there's probably a a, a, a large uh, misvalued calculation of the value an influencer or content creator brings to these merchants that that needs firstly to be accurately measured and then uh, adequately compensated. I'm surprised it took me that long to figure out uh, the, the specifics of the problem you're solving. Uh, but I just had my aha moment live on air. That makes me look like a smarty pants, I'm sure. You guys are just launching. What do you think? Let, let, let's assume optimum journey. You guys kick ass, shoot the moon. Uh, what, do you, what does you and the market look like in 10 years? What, what is the typical consumer behavior after stored has had its way with this industry? What does the world look like? I think um, this this market, this economy is a very, very early stages. Um, and I suppose one of the big things that we see within the market today, and what actually one of the biggest challenges with this market, is that um, creators have effectively become almost more influential and powerful than the brands themselves, right? They, a brand might have 2 million people that walk through their store on you know, any given year, but actually a creator could have 2 million eyes that look at their products on a daily basis, right? So 
the creators hold very significant and um, you know, power and influence over the products that their their followers are buying. The issue that they have is that they're not ultimately the business or the entity that's selling that product. They have no control of that actual buying experience. So they're directing people back to the brands to complete those purchases. So actually, we think fundamentally one of the big things that will change and actually Sword will change is that we will we will make it easier for consumers to buy those products directly from the experiences they're consuming with those creators themselves without this high dependency on things like you know track links, discount codes, coupons, etc that get in the way of the purchase itself. So um yeah we think actually that ultimately the the creators themselves will become the stores or the entities that are ultimately selling those products for the brands that they love. Um and that's like a big a big step we think actually in in making this a a uh, a better channel of sale for everybody concerned. Is there anything you'd add Lee, to that? No, I, th I think that's that's exactly aligned to to you know what the way we're thinking and the way we're thinking about you know, the product development is to to make sure we solve that problem and, and deliver that future. Let me throw a, a few curveball questions uh, in, mainly to do with sort of um, macro impact on, well, the world, but specifically the uh, virus journey. What do you think about a um, continued move towards uh, AR, uh, VR, uh, and um, the metaverse? Um, if, if social media is a large part um, of of the ocean that you guys are swimming in let's say let's look at meta formerly known as facebook they're pushing a lot of uh, a lot of their model in, into the metaverse there's large um, uh, crypto uh, metaverse spaces where there's a huge number of brands that are are making sure that their product is accessible and listed uh, in in the digital economy in the digital universe the metaverse um, how are you thinking about um, consumer behavior and 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 how that might impact the consumer and and you as a uh, as a provider of services to cater to that specific vertical? I think there are a, a couple of key moments in any buying journey, regardless of where they are. So those, those examples that you just gave, ultimately they're just compounding factors to the problem statement we gave you at the beginning, which is that there are more and more ways that people can interact with a given product. So if you're the retailer now, you know, it's not just your shop, it's not just your website, it's not just your 10 social channels. It starts to become your, you know, augmented reality channel. It starts to become your metaverse channel, you know, whatever it might be. But ultimately it's still the same principle, which is that it's another means of access for person A to interact with your brand, your products, your services. For us, there's there's two distinct buying journeys that come out of any of those interactions. There's, I want to buy it now, and there's, maybe I want to buy it later. Now, when someone wants to buy it now, there's a specific set of kind of features and functionality that are already starting to and will continue to optimize those journeys. Danny actually just talked about one of the things we'll do later around bringing in those affiliate transactions into a single space. So we remove a couple of clicks before someone can purchase. That's us starting to prove that I want to buy it now. But in our earlier stages, what we're really optimizing for is maybe I want to buy it later. Maybe that first time I saw it wasn't the moment I wanted to buy it. So I didn't click on that link. And I want to be able to really quickly and get back to it later. And in any of those examples you've just given, you're still going to always have those two same types of transaction. And therefore, we're always going to be well positioned to be removing friction from those. 
but we are thinking about the metaverse. We we've been thinking about that from from very early. What that might look like in terms of our product roadmap, and that it's not today, and it's not something we're prioritizing on our roadmap right now. But we certainly have an eye on it and an eye on how we may sit in in that world. And we're we're optimistic about that. Actually, we we see that as a real potential opportunity for us. Uh, d- just uh, switching gear on that, uh, maybe one for Danny. Um, uh, this is me projecting uh, my uh, my imagined solution onto you, so I, I might be a million miles wide of the target, uh, but I'll do it anyway. I like to do this. In, let, let's say the world of AR. So I'm um, walking down the street and I've got my uh, AR glasses on, and I walk past a a store. Let's say I saw a jumper that I thought I'd look uh, fabulous in, fabulous darling. I could stored in theory be able to digitally capture um, my admiration of said jumper and throw it into my, my, my stored account? Or could I take a photo on my iPhone and, uh, and capture a, a real-world physical experience that I then might choose to buy online later? Is that the sort of stuff that you're also looking at? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I suppose you, you know where the business originally started, right? We started looking at stored as a mechanism to um, connect multiple channels, you know, online and offline. And how do I allow a customer to move a physical purchase into a digital purchase, like a digital basket, instantly to continue that experience? That's still very much you know, it's at the core of our product. We, we, our focus really is on the creator and the creator community. And how do we, you know, leverage and use the technology that we've built to really develop this creator economy that we think you know, is, is, is a massive, fast growth and very exciting space for us to play. But ultimately, yeah, to, to your point, like stored is a single space that I can put any item from any brand, from any retailer, and you should be able to do that in both the physical and the digital world, right? So you know, future, future, future states of the product will allow you relatively seamlessly to scan a product, QR code, barcode, or whatever that might be, and to bring those products into that single space. The consumer app, although you know we're, we're very much focused on the creator space, the consumer app is unlimited, right? So we don't restrict consumers to just adding products that they've identified with creators. They can add any online product from any website that they come into contact with and any product they want to add. Same will happen in the future as we start to move through you know, different experiences online and offline to allow consumers to move products directly into the store platform. Um, but yeah, virtual reality is definitely... You know, a potential part of that. I, I like it. And um, I suppose j- just coming coming to a close, what's your barometer? What's your what's your metric between the two of you that maybe it's on your deck, maybe it, it, it's what you show to VCs, or maybe it's just something personally where the two of you look at each other after a hard day's work and say, you know what, if we don't deliver this, I will be disappointed. Um, wh- what's, what's the metric for your success in, say, the next two years? Yeah, so for, for us, actually, there's a number of creators signed and follower audience, because that for us actually is an indicator of how many eyes will see products that are stored within the stored platform and ecosystem. So, you know, we, we started off with this view that, you know, we, we, we thought, well, retailers will drive consumers and consumer numbers are actually, or app users are probably our primary metric. Actually, app users for us actually isn't our primary metric. Our primary metric is the number of individuals or unique viewers of stored products and that really is a byproduct of the number of creators that we're working with and how many followers they have as, a, as an audience. Makes sense. Um, Danny, Lee, uh, thank you very much. It's, it's been a huge insight. Um, you've, you've really peeled back some of, some of uh, my, uh, my confusion on what you guys are doing. And uh, it's, it's a much more exciting proposition now that I understand the depth of the problem that you're trying to solve. Uh, 
it, it, it's always good to know that I've experienced that problem multiple times, rolled in my eyes and said, oh, somebody better fix this at some point. Looks like you guys are, are, are the guys to be fixing it. So, um, look, we're delighted to have you uh, uh, join the IF Incubator. I think both, uh, both the, uh, the, the partners on the program and, and other entrepreneurs are really impressed by what you guys are doing. So I just want to say, uh, Thanks for joining and, and, and thanks for giving us your time. Thanks for having us, Daniel. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us on the uh, on the incubator as well. It's been great. Thanks for having us.